Welcome to episode 87 of the Jackson Hole Connection, brought to you by Jackson Hole Marketplace, Jackson Hole's little community market on the south side of town. Please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash jhm to learn a whole lot more. Hello from Jackson Hole, I'm Stephan Abrams, your host and guide today. Each week I sit with someone connected to Jackson Hole to share their fascinating story about daily life. I feel we can all learn so much from each other, and I intend to search out people and their stories, which will teach us all a little about life outside of our everyday circle. My guest today is Allie Milburn, the creator and executive director of Whole Food Rescue, Jackson Hole's first and only food rescue service. From student to dumpster diver to skier and now professional dumpster diver, Allie has created a network of food rescue, which will shock everyone. I know I was. Allie will share with us today how she learned how much quality food goes to waste in communities, why she decided to take action, which is reducing community waste and feeding families in need. Allie has demonstrated how hard work and passion can make a difference in every community, and Allie will inspire you to take some action in your community today. Allie, thank you for joining me at the Jackson Hole Connection today as a guest. Super excited to learn more about you and the phenomenal project that you are working on. Thanks for having me. Indeed. Let's begin with your connection to Jackson Hole. What is your connection? Where did it all begin for you? Well, it started on a road trip in college. Some girlfriends and I decided we wanted to go check out the national parks in Wyoming and Montana. And so we drove up from Colorado where we were going to school and we went over Togety Pass and just dumped into the amazing Grand Teton National Park. I'll never forget the first time I saw the Tetons. And at that point, I never, we didn't actually go into Jackson. We were just in the park and then headed north from there. But that was my first experience in the region. And like I said, I'll never forget that first moment when I saw the Tetons. So When I was getting close to graduating from college, uh, another friend and I decided we wanted to be ski bums. We had spent our entire college career sneaking up to the mountains as often as we could and knew that before we got real jobs, we wanted to enjoy some leisure time and live close to a ski resort. So we looked at a map of the United States and started comparing all these figures of ski resorts. You know, what's the expert terrain and what's the snowfall? and was the proximity that you would live to the ski resort. And Jackson just kept checking all these boxes. So we just kind of pulled the trigger sight unseen. Well, I think you picked a good spot. (laughs) Yep, I mean, it's been eight years. So I I think I'm here for the long haul now. Do your friends still live here? Yeah, yeah, the friend who I moved up here originally with, she ended up going to speech pathology school in Montana and moved back about six months ago. Uh Uh-huh. She's still here as well. Awesome. That's spectacular. Nice. And so when you first landed here for that ski year, were you only skiing or did you have a myriad of jobs to Oh yeah. The classic Jackson way. I had uh, three jobs, babysitting. I was working as a cashier at Nick Wilson's and I also was a busser at the handlebar. So those were my three gigs. And then on the side, I took up this hobby of dumpster diving, which is, of course, where Whole Food Rescue's Genesis story really emerges from. You took up a hobby of dumpster diving. And 
you're the founder of Whole Food Rescue? Yep, founder okay. and executive director. So, well, let's get into what Whole Food Rescue is, and then let's come back to the dumpster dining and how that transpired and created an organization for you. So Whole Food Rescue was founded in June of 2013, and our mission is to reduce food waste and cultivate food security in our community. And what that essentially means is we go to local grocery stores, restaurants, and bakeries and rescue food that is still edible, but not saleable. So you can think imperfect produce or just excess produce, um, things that are approaching their expiration date. Um, and, and we take all that food and we redistribute it to nonprofits in the community that are helping at-risk and low-income community members. Well, what a wonderful mission. How did you come about seeing the need and wanting to take action on this? Well, well, it actually started in college. I dated a dumpster diver and he really opened up my whole world view that food waste was a tremendous problem and that there was a solution to it. So through my ex-boyfriend, Alex, he would make me these exquisite meals of food he had scavenged from the dumpster. And at first I was really just shocked and in disbelief because everything I was seeing and eating was extremely high quality, nutritious food. And I, I just couldn't fathom why these items weren't being sold. And of course, now I understand that there's just generally an issue within grocery stores where there is more inventory than realistically can be sold before items start to go out of date. But what Alex did is he introduced me to a nonprofit in Boulder called Boulder Food Rescue. And so I started volunteering under their mission. And I was, I was a food courier. I went and rescued food once a week from a grocery store and I brought it to a homeless shelter. So Alex really opened my eyes to this world of food waste and, and showed me the solution that food rescue is a model that works, that prevents food from being wasted and, and gets it into the hands of those in need. So when I moved to Jackson, really on a whim, my friends and I said, let's start dumpster diving. Let's just see what happens. We don't know anybody here who cares if we get caught. Um, you know, we have nothing to lose essentially. And uh -huh. I will never forget that first day looking in at the dumpster. It was just overflowing with beautiful food and, you know, everything you could find in the grocery store was, was being discarded. And so that hobby really grew into a, a passion. And it's something that I, I participated in daily, if not multiple times a day for the course of about eight months until I essentially reached a breaking point and said, I like skiing, but I know that I can do something more with my life and I see this huge problem and I know there's a solution to it. So why don't I try to start a food rescue? Good for you for seeing a problem and being able to identify that you have a solution for it. Congrats. Yeah, I feel, I feel very lucky and oftentimes friends will ask me, how do I find my passion? What am I supposed to do with my life? And, you know, I have no advice. I literally found my life's work in a dumpster. So <laughs> I guess the, the point of the story is don't be afraid to do things that seem foreign or weird because you never know what, where it's going to take you in life. And now I'm a full-time benefited employee and this organization is growing faster than I ever could have imagined and doing so much good for our community. So yeah, just don't be afraid to follow your dreams, even if that means you're getting into a dumpster. Where did you learn a philosophy like that? Don't be afraid to do something foreign. I think that's wonderful. I, you know, I don't know. I think that's just part of my nature. Um, I've always been kind of the daredevil kid. Let's try to do a backflip and 
see what happens. I, I definitely am a little bit risque in that way. So I think it is more nature than nurture. My parents are pretty normal middle of the road people. I love them, but I wouldn't say they're big risk takers. You now have this organization, Whole Food Rescue. How many pounds of food do you feel since your start in June of 2013 that you've rescued out of the dumpster and putting into people's you know, bellies? Well, that's a good question. And I should clarify that as an organization, we aren't dumpster diving. So sure. I understand. Yeah. Okay. Thank <laughs> you for clarifying. Yeah, that's good. The food is surpassing <laughs> the dumpster now. Um, basically when we started Whole Food Rescue, it was a quick conversation with um, Jeff Rice, the owner of Jackson Hole Grocer. And we formed this partnership where the produce clerks and the people stocking the aisles at the grocery store are setting stuff aside. And then our volunteer team goes and picks it up in a designated location. So luckily I don't require the volunteers to get into the dumpster, although it, it's quite a fun activity, but we've rescued millions of pounds. Um, to be honest, I don't know what our year to date or our lifetime total is. It's probably close to 2 million pounds. Um, on average, we're rescuing around 20,000 pounds of food every month. And Whoa. yeah, it's a lot of food. And, and to put that in perspective, because 20,000 pounds of food is a huge number and no one can really wrap their head around it. Essentially, that, that's enough to feed you every meal of every day for the next 15 years. So it's a lot of food. And, and what I always remind myself is that we are this tiny corner in the state of Wyoming. If you think about food waste and the, the capacity and the potential for food rescue across the country or across the world and how there is so much food that needs to be rescued and every community should have a food rescue. How many organizations like yours are around the country? That's a, that's a hard question to answer. Um, I think food rescue is not a new idea in that food banks and homeless shelters, they've been going to the back of grocery stores and asking for their surplus for decades. You know, for as long as a food bank has been in existence, they've been trying to get food donations to support their mission. But the food rescue model is new really within the last 10 to 20 years, I would say, in that we really are focused on being this hub and spoke model that aggregates all of the excess food, has the, the capacity to process it, and then bring it out to a network of organizations that are helping people. And the benefit of these kind of newer models of food rescue is that we have a lot more capacity than just a single food bank could have. So, you know, if a food bank goes to a grocery store, they might get a thousand pounds of food and they're only able to, to distribute 500 pounds of that. So through the food rescue network, we're actually able to take those larger quantities and divvy it up amongst many agencies. So, you know, I, I don't know specifically how many food rescues are across the country, but it's definitely a growing trend. And like I said, I think every community that has at least one grocery store should have a food rescue. For sure. It, it's mind blowing to hear how many pounds of food per month in this in this community you're you're rescuing and think about the people that benefit from it but also there's the other side the food that's not reaching the landfill as well yeah and for me that's really where it started was this environmental crusade i was seeing all this food getting wasted and and really it it came down to this one experience in the dumpster where it was overflowing with packaged chicken breasts. And I was looking at each package realizing, wow, 
an animal's life along with all the resources that went into creating this product have just been wasted for absolutely nothing. And so it really started as this environmental justice project, but the amazing benefit of a food rescue is that we get to serve those who don't have the access, don't have the resources to provide themselves with this nutritious food. And what's so perfect about the food rescue model is that the foods that are wasted are the most nutritious foods. They're the things that don't have preservatives that aren't shelf stable. They're produce items, dairy items, fresh bread, meat. So it's great for us to be able to funnel this food into the hands and plates of people that really need it. Indeed. Well, well, the other stuff that you mentioned, it's not going to go bad anyway. You're talking about the, tw- the Twinkies and the boxed rice meals and uh, heat and serve type of uh, stuff that comes off the shelf. <laughs> you know, just boil the bag and you've got a meal. Um, yeah. It's not as nutritious at all. No. As the and- food. Yeah. And I think something that's interesting to talk about when we do think about packaged foods, whether it's dairy products or something that's shelf stable, is that expiration dates have little to no meaning. They're Hmm. essentially a manufacturer's best guess of when a product is at its peak quality. And then after that date, the product starts to decline in quality, but that has nothing to do with safety. And a perfect example of this is I'm, I'm actually house sitting for someone right now. And I found some organic tofu in their fridge that was dated December, 2019. And I opened it and I smelled it, smelled totally fine. I tasted it, tasted great. And so I put it into a miso soup for dinner last night. So, you know, I definitely have a a bigger tolerance than a lot of people, but the fact that I was able to eat tofu that expired in December of 2019 just speaks to the, the inaccuracy of these labels. Sure. Yeah. I, I understand. What is your funding model to keep this going and, and how do you, you know, get everything, all the logistics? I mean, 20,000 pounds of food a month, one person cannot do that on their own. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Food rescue inherently is just a very labor intensive activity. And what's been hard for us is during COVID, we have all these social distancing guidelines. And so in a normal day prior to COVID, we would have upwards of six people in our space helping move food and sort food and make boxes for these agencies. And now we're really limiting it to one to two people in our space at a time. So unfortunately, things are are just taking a little bit longer than we would like them to. And and really our work would not be possible without volunteers. We have about 70 people that help us on a weekly basis. And our weekly volunteers give anywhere from an hour to two hours a week. So it's not a huge commitment, but we could not do what we do without those weekly uh, volunteers. And then we also have the sub volunteers that help us just on a kind of as needed or as available basis. And they help cover the gaps for when our full-time weekly people are out of town or sick. And as far as funding, you know, we're a nonprofit, which inherently just isn't a great structure. Um, we're, we're constantly beg borrowing and stealing, trying to make ends meet. And that, you know, I wish that we had a model where we could sell the product um, that we rescue or charge a fee for service for the rescuing aspect. But we really feel that it's important to provide these services to community members for no ch- charge. So 
we're very committed to making this um, a free service and we're going to continue that as you know forever as long as we're able to and so we get our our funding really through the generosity of philanthropists and that looks like old bills donations but it also looks like just donations coming in um, throughout the year we have monthly members that give us anywhere from five to fifty dollars a month and then we do have some grant sources that we apply for each year and grants are kind of a hit or miss you never really know what what your odds are or what the capacity of the foundation or the funder is going to be for that year so that's you know it's always a struggle and it's something that we have to constantly be considering how do people give to you is it through a website yep wholefoodrescue.org there's a donate button um you can you can donate with a credit card so you can get those airline points if we're ever allowed to, to fly again um <laughs> or you can send a check to our p.o box and that's also on our website awesome Hey, Allie, I want to take a quick break so we get a word from one of our sponsors, and then we're going to come back and go over some more of the interesting things that Whole Food Rescue is doing. Talk soon. Jackson Hole Marketplace has what you are looking for today. Easy and convenient stop on the south side of Jackson Hole. Milk and eggs? Check. We have it. Ice cream and snack break? Check. We have it. Fixins for summer afternoon cocktails? Double check. We have even the booze. Taste buds are craving something new? Triple check. Newly launched badass sandwiches. Visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash JHM to learn more. Allie, welcome back. We were talking about the phenomenal work that you and Whole Food Rescue does for this community and why it's so important for every community to have a, a food rescue uh, model. You, you mentioned a few times how you rescue this food and you package it up to give it to other organizations. So are you not delivering it directly to people? You're delivering it to organizations that then pass it on to other people? How, what is your, your pipeline? Like you have it, now where does it go? Yeah, that's a great question. We have a few distribution models. Kind of the first, and this is how we started, the first model is working directly with nonprofit partners that are serving low income and at risk community members. So perfect example is the Jackson Cupboard, they're our local food pantry, and the Good Samaritan Mission, they're our homeless shelter. So we donate food to them and basically just have a, an understanding of the types of food that they want, the quantities of food that they want, and the kind of conundrum with the food rescue model is we never know how much or of what products we're going to be rescuing. So with all of these partners, there's kind of this understanding that we're going to do the best we can, but we can't control the inventory. Um, so that's kind of the first channel is sending it out through these pre-established networks in the community. Something that is newer to our organization is a model called no cost grocery programs. And what that means is targeting low-income community members in their neighborhoods, at their community centers, whether that's an after-school program, um, a preschool, a church, really trying to meet people where they are. And essentially, it's a table and a fridge, and we put out the food donations in those places, and anyone is welcome to access those at any point. And we don't ask any questions. We don't take any information. We just say, if you want to help us reduce food waste, please take some food. Um, so that's the second way we get rid of food. And then the third way is through um, our youth initiatives. And so we've partnered with 
after school programs. Um, we've also partnered with Friday Food Project and Munger Mountain Elementary School to try to make sure that low income kids have access to food after school, but then also over the weekend. And at new as of last summer, We've started a summer lunch program, and that started as an initiative from 122. They give out summer scholarship to low-income families to send their kiddos to camp. And what these counselors were noticing was that the scholarship kids would show up for a full day of camp activities with no lunch or just a single bag of chips. And so the counselors started to take it on themselves to make sure that these kids had food, whether it was giving them lunch out of their own lunchbox or going out and purchasing items for these kids. And so 122 came to us last summer and said, is this something that you could help us address? And that was really our first um, initiative into actually preparing meals. And it went very well. And, and we're going to continue to do that again this summer, assuming that camps are allowed. But we're also expanding that initiative and trying to target kids that are left at home during the summer. So something that we learned from a nonprofit uh, partner of ours in Sun Valley, Idaho, called the Hunger Coalition, was that, you know, for every kid that's able to go to camp, there's easily five times as many kids that are left at home, essentially unsupervised while parents are out working. And, you know, that could look like them just really being plopped in front of a television with Easy Mac and their older cousin or sibling kind of overseeing them for the whole day. But through the Hunger Coalition, we we realized that our communities are very similar and they've come up with this amazing model of targeting kids right in their neighborhood with a healthy food truck. So this summer, we are gonna launch our Sprout Mobile and we're taking our food truck around to four locations in the neighbor or in the community. And essentially it's gonna be a free lunch for any child that shows up and if we are allowed to congregate, we are also going to have community partners, including Jacksonville Public Art, GAP, and Coombs Outdoors to provide engaging and enriching activities to try to keep the kids stimulated so there isn't such a high learning loss over the summer for these kiddos. And then we're also partnering with Jackson, or sorry, Teton County Library and Teton Literacy Center to provide free books for the kids. So that's something we're super excited about. And that's, that's really going to be our most intimate program where we're having direct contact and coordination with the end recipient. The other two models were pretty hands-off. We really let the members in the neighborhoods manage the no-cost grocery program. And whether, you know, if it's with our nonprofit partners, we're, we're really just coordinating with their program directors. So we're excited to have more of an intimate relationship with the people that we're serving starting this summer. Allie, thank you for what you're doing for this community. Remarkable. And I've learned so much about you and Whole Food Rescue in these few short moments for something that just started off as a dumpster diving, hey, let's go do this, and how you're making such a positive impact in a community that in filling a need. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, it, I have an amazing team that's working behind me. And so, yeah, it's definitely more than me now, which is also crazy. Just thinking back to how it all started, it was just a funny thing that my roommates and I did. And now it's turned into this huge organization that has really far reaching impact in the community. But you've given so much. And I feel that being somebody who's in the community and participating, I feel that sometimes we're, we're losing the ideal 
of people understanding the importance to give back to a community. And you don't hear about many nonprofits that are making such a remarkable impact that are being created such as yours. Um, I'm I'm just blown away. Absolutely blown away. Heartbroken. I mean, just so warm inside. It's wonderful. Right now, more than anything, we need wonderful stories of such as what you're doing. Yeah. Well, thanks. That means a lot. And it does feel really good. And, you know, every day that I go to work, it doesn't really feel like work. I just get to go out and do something amazing for my community and for the planet. So I just feel so fortunate to have found this. It's, you know, kind of a miracle that I have, I have created this because before, before Whole Food Rescue, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I had studied pre-med and I was thinking I would get into something with nutrition or holistic healing, but didn't really have a clear path. And and then this happened and my life is, is every day I feel so fulfilled. Yeah, I, I can see the fulfillment in, in what you're doing. It's, it's remarkable. And you mentioned how many meals or how many pounds you're, you're rescuing. What is your estimation well, that you did with the youth initiatives last summer? Like how many meals were made with youth last year? So through the camps, we were making about 50 meals a day. Okay. And this summer, we are gearing up for closer to about 200 meals a day. So it's going to be quite a big, uh, there are going to be some growing pains with it. But again, we're just super excited to be able to have this direct contact and and provide a service that's so necessary for these kiddos that are left at home. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, what's interesting is we, we had this idea for the Sprout Mobile prior to COVID. And so this is something we were going to do prior, but now seeing the severe impacts that COVID is having on our our community and our workforce, we just know that this initiative and and all of the other things that we're continuing to do are, are more important now than they've ever been. So, you know, what we're doing hasn't really changed much. It's, it's just the importance and the urgency has grown. Indeed. For people making these meals, how can people, or businesses help contribute to it? Um, Great question. Well, we need volunteers and ideally we have volunteers that are committing to a a weekly shift. And with the meal prep, it's best if you can get a buddy or possibly two to come with you. We call them team shifts when there's more than one person. So if you and your partner or you and your coworker are interested in volunteering as a team, uh, you can sign up to volunteer through our website. There's a clear volunteer button right on the homepage. So that's definitely one way. Um, Another way is if you wanted to contribute food that you were making, we could definitely incorporate that into our meals. And then of course, the third and most obvious option is to financially support us. Yeah. Several different ways to help you guys out. Yeah. And How many meals are you able to produce with the social distancing or is it just taking longer to produce those meals because you have to limit the number of people? Yeah, exactly that. It's just, it's just limited number of people in the space. So things are, are taking longer. Um, Again, I mean, we're really hoping that restrictions and safety starts to improve over the Mm -hmm. summer so that we can get a few more people in our space. But for now, we're just trying to stick with the guidelines and keep everybody safe. So yeah, le- less people and more time committed to the cause. What do you do for yourself to stay healthy mentally? Because there's a lot that you are dealing with and you see a part of the community that 
has some of the greatest needs, uh, financial and, and certainly nutrition wise, how are you taking care of yourself? What are some of the things that you do? The biggest thing is exercise and getting outside. I got a dog a year and a half ago, and that's been the best thing for my mental health because every day she needs to go outside and get multiple miles. So that's kind of my go-to. I also have implemented a morning routine that includes um, sitting and breathing, journaling, and brewing my homemade chai tea and having just time to be quiet. So those are my, my little life hacks that I try to religiously participate in. I, I love that morning routine that you have. Share with people how much time that takes. Because I think people hear that you're meditating, you're journaling, you're making your homemade, your own chai tea. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's got to take tons of time. But yeah. what does that take for you? I mean, if, if I don't have a lot of time, I can kind of cram it into about 15 minutes. Um, it does not take a lot of time. I would, in, a, in an ideal world, I'm sitting quiet um, for about five minutes and then I'm journaling for 10. I try to just do one page. I have a, you know, standard size journal. I do one page and that takes about 10 minutes. So it, it doesn't require a lot of time. And actually Sandy Hessler, um, she's an instructor at Central Wyoming College and Silicon Kular. She is the one that really influenced me to have this daily practice of mindfulness. And she has an app that's free on, on a smartphone called Six Minutes Daily. And her thing is I think it's um, breathe in and an attention for three minutes and then journal um, your gratitude and I'm forgetting the third thing, but it's, it's a six minute practice. And so I think people like Sandy and there are all sorts of apps that are similar are a good reminder that self-care and mindfulness doesn't have to be this huge ordeal. I mean, it can literally happen in your car if you're, if you're noticing, and this is something for myself is I'm noticing I'm anxious or I'm stressed. It's just, how do I be present? You know, feeling my hands on the steering wheel and experiencing my breath going in and out of my mouth. So it's, it's not something that you have to go out of your way to cultivate. And it goes a long way for keeping my head on straight. I, I love that you mentioned Sandy's uh, program that she has six minutes daily and that you mentioned her as well. She's a dear friend and she's actually been a guest on this podcast as well in talking about what she does with the startup intensive and also with her mindfulness meditation, the six minutes daily. And I love getting, receiving her email uh, on Thursdays. Yep. Every Thursday I read everyone. Yeah. She was episode 39 on June 6th. So you could go back and listen to episode 39 of Sandy Hessler. Great. I will do that. I actually do some morning walking right now, and but even before this, I was doing some journaling. So I understand about the journaling. It doesn't take long, yeah. And it, it's so important to have, as you mentioned, that quiet time. Yeah. Well, and I think especially I, I see you have kids. It's like the more that we put into our lives, the more directions we get pulled, and the harder it is to set time aside. But the more important it is for you and for me and all of to be high functioning when we add on more responsibilities. So, you know, as the responsibilities stack, the self-care needs to kind of appropriately also grow. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Self-care is so important for sure. And what do you feel the community response has been to Whole Food Rescue? So positive. It's been amazing. Mm -hmm. um, a, a friend of mine said, you know, I never met a nonprofit that wasn't pissing somebody off. You know, if, if you're doing good work, somebody's mad at you. 
And, and then I met Whole Food Rescue and, and there's nothing bad to say about it. And yeah, I, I have to agree. It's like, it just doesn't make sense to throw food away. And, you know, if there are people in need, let's give it to those people. So the, the support from the community has been overwhelmingly positive. And I do think about how lucky, you know, lucky I am to live in Jackson, but also how lucky Whole Food Rescue is to have been established in Jackson because of the generosity and the intellectual support that we've gotten this entire time. I think that starting a nonprofit in a community that didn't have such strong values of philanthropy and community, it, it possibly could have been a slower growth. And really, since we started, it's just been this upward trend that I, I can't barely keep up with. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been wonderful to see the support and also kind of overwhelming to keep up with it because mm-hmm. the, the more support we get, the more that people expect. And are you guys receiving food from restaurants as well? Forgive me if you've already said that yep. and I didn't remember. Yeah. So kind of on the normal day to day, we don't because restaurants mm-hmm. are actually really good at managing their waste. They, you know, they can put any surplus food into a special or into an employee meal and anything that's coming off of a customer's plate is you know, not something that we can rescue. It's, it's really just compost worthy at that point. But um, every off season in the spring and fall, we do rescue from restaurants that shut down. And what happened this spring with COVID was that all these restaurants had stocked up for the spring break crowds that come every, every March and then COVID struck. And it's like, you know, these overflowing fridges just became um, unnecessary overnight. And so we very quickly started rescuing thousands of pounds of food. And it was, it was a logistical nightmare because we rescue about three times more food than we normally do during an off season. I think again, just because of that volume that they had accrued for the spring break crowds. So in, in about four days, we rescued almost 10,000 pounds of food and a, a normal, a normal off season rescue period is somewhere around 3000 pounds. So it was a lot of food very suddenly. That's unbelievable. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm glad that there's whole food rescue instead of it just going to waste. So there was a, there was a, um, a resource and a, and a platform for, and, for it to be what, used. What we encouraged the restaurants to do was to give their employees the first opportunity to take food home because many of these people were just suddenly out of work. So, you know, mm-hmm. they're the clientele that we're trying to reach in the end anyways. So a lot of the restaurants were great about letting their employees take stuff home. And, and that's, that's Whole Food Rescue's mission is, you know, we don't, we, we don't want to see food waste, but we know it's going to happen. And that's, we're there to catch whatever there is. But if there are things that can be done further up the stream that can prevent that volume from coming to us, we're all about promoting that. So, you know, luckily our restaurants were on board with that. That's spectacular. Yeah. We have a good group of business operators in this community and I'm, I'm not surprised that you receive so much food. Yeah. Yeah. We have an amazing community. Something I do want to mention is that households are actually the largest contributors of food waste. Hmm. So what Whole Food Rescue deals with is pretty much just grocery stores. We're dealing with the retailers and it's a lot of food. You know, 1,000 pounds of food is is quite overwhelming. It's, it's a lot. But when you look at what households and consumers are wasting, it's more than restaurants and grocery stores combined. So, you know, our work obviously is in this specific sector, but 
we're also realizing that part of the mission of actually reducing food waste is working on consumer education. And that's where, you know, we've done a lot of work on trying to educate people around expiration dates and how expiration dates don't mean anything. Use your nose, your nose knows for, you know, for decades, centuries, humans have relied on their senses to know if food was safe. So we try to remind people that they're a part of the problem and they're also part of the solution. So I just wanted to plug that in there. That's very important. Thank you. Do you happen to have some resources on your website of how uh, households can help reduce that food waste? Some pointers? Yeah, we do. Um, under the resources tab, we have we have two things. There's a page called how to reduce food waste, and there are some tips on just how to think through your purchasing and your processing of food. And then also there's a document called understanding expiration dates. And um, there are some other resources that I've been really excited about recently. One is called savethefood.com, and that's got all sorts of tips on food storage and how to extend the lifespan of your food based on how you're storing it. So whether that's, you know, different techniques for putting things in the fridge or how to store things at room temperature, there's all sorts of tips on really getting the most out of your food. And what I, what I was just sent this morning was an article about how the average consumer spends more on the food they waste than on gasoline every year. This huh. report this report said that the average consumer wastes $1,300 in food they don't, they never eat. And the average consumer spends about $1,200 on gasoline every year. So, you know, it's, there's so many reasons to not waste food, but especially when you're, when you're looking at a economic recession, like we're in right now, people need to start waking up to the fact that throwing away food is, is literally throwing away money. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to put it. You know, just, look at your wallet and say, yep, I'll just yeah. toss that cash right out. Yeah. yeah. Who, would, who in their right mind would throw away a thousand dollars? I don't know anybody. Mm, nobody that I know. Uh, yeah. Not, not um, knowingly. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. And that's the problem is like it's little increments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for me personally, what I've kind of noticed over the, the last seven years of food waste becoming very important to me is that, even I'm susceptible to wasting food and I have to rein in those behaviors. And so the biggest thing is just not having so much food in my fridge because the second that I can't see everything that's in there is when the the spinach in the back starts to wilt or the strawberries mold. So, you know, right now, obviously we're encouraged not to go to the grocery store very often, but in normal times, I would actually encourage people to go very often every day, every other day. And that's how you know, a lot of Europeans live is they just go for what's the day, what are we making for dinner? And they're buying specifically what they need for that meal rather than thinking, okay, on Thursday, I'm going to do this. On Friday, I'm mm-hmm. going to do that. But then, you know, somebody invites you over to dinner, or you want to go to pizza. And then all of a sudden that plan and that food that went along with your plan are, are no longer necessary. Yeah. So true. Allie, this has been such an experience, a positive educational experience. I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy day to do this. Yeah, you're so welcome. Well, I'm really happy to spread the message. And yeah, it was great talking to you. Do you guys also have a social media page or social media pages? Yep. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. All right. Good work. And what is your Instagram channel? Oh, it's at Whole Food Rescue. Okay. Hold on one second. Oh, buddy. 
All right, Allie, as you know, it's been about an hour of unsupervised child care. It's okay, bud. You're on the podcast now, Willie. You're now on the podcast. Uh, so Good job. I got to rock and roll. And everybody will know that my child is crying and uh, little Willie's crying. But thank you, Allie. Uh, thank you're you for welcome. what you're doing for the community. And go have a great day. Thanks for helping us spread the message. You got it. Bye. Bye. To learn more about Allie and Whole Food Rescue, please visit the JacksonHoleConnection.com, episode number 87. If you know of anybody that'd love to be a guest on this podcast, please shoot me an email to connect at the JacksonHoleConnection.com. Many thanks to everybody who helps me keep this podcast going. Michael Morey, my wife Laura, my boys Lewis and William, and all you fantastic listeners. I really hope to see you here next time for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.